Welcome to the Courage 1000 Project, the podcast for women seeking the courage to take the next steps in life. My name is Nellie the Story Collector, and I'm on a mission to normalize the emotional cycles all women experience, so we can end the patterns of shame and guilt that are leaving us stuck, held back, and disempowered from making the next chapter of our lives magical. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode here at the Courage 1000 Project. I'm super excited to get into today's episode because we have the gorgeous Tina Bakehouse. Now, she is a storyteller, a former Disney cast member, which we've already started talking about, (laughs) a passionate communication educator with over 20 years of experience. She protects audiences from boring speeches. Now, whether in her signature coaching programs or engaging workshops, she helps women find their authentic speaker style. And today she's going to share with us how to change your mindset from can I to I can. So welcome to the show, Tina. Well, thank you, Melly. I'm excited to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. And we've already discussed, like, it's such an awesome thing that we can connect with people all around the world through something as special as this project. And I love that. I love it, too. I mean, as I noted to you, Australia, I've fallen in love with it for some weird, unique reason. And I just I feel so much more connected to it now. We're just awesome. That's what it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. You are awesome. Thanks for asking. (laughs) (laughs) Now, tell me more about your story. Where did it start with this, I can't, before it became, I can? Well, I, as a little girl growing up on a farm in Southwest Iowa, I used my front porch on our farmhouse as a proscenium stage. And Jim Henson of the Muppets was that inspiration for me to be all things storytelling, theater, puppetry. So I created radio talk shows with my little tape recorder. It was a Fisher Price Brown tape recorder, along with shows for my parents' annual anniversary. And from there just blossomed this passion for the spoken word, for hearing stories, sharing stories, and helping people tell their stories. So I was engaged in speech on speech teams in high school and college, theater, and got my education and taught high school speech, English, and theater, and then got my advanced degrees and taught college. But then I wanted more beyond academia and left a very easy, a very lovely position to promote the arts, storytelling in Southwest Iowa for eight counties for a nonprofit. Got burnout, left, and started to think about working for myself. I'd been doing side gigs for nonprofits, for-profits, individual consulting and coaching, and a bank actually decided to create a job for me. Now, let me tell you, that's kind of a great joke that, that the universe was playing on me, is I'm a theater person going into a bank, it doesn't match at all. I have no financial background. In fact, my husband does all my books for my business. And but what I did in that moment was become their storyteller for the bank and for this, the community of Malvern, my small town that is close to our farm. And I was really taking and embracing teaching financial literacy, using storytelling, using puppetry to help young people understand that you need to, that work, you have to work to earn money and need versus want. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love being (laughs) able to share those sorts of things with um, students, teaching them financial skills. Right. And so arts have been all about what I do. And that's where can I 
change to I can, that I can do this business because it's in my heart and soul. And so I needed to match my head with my heart. Yeah, yeah. So what sort of puppetry and stuff did you do? I'm kind of fascinated with that. <laughs> yeah, so my my during this pandemic, like I've always played with puppets because I think they're fascinating. Um, they're characters and they can come up with a voice and a body um, an experience for youth and even adults. And so I had this yeah. Sal firefighter puppet that I found in a store and I just started talking to it and kids started gathering around me in the store. And they thought I, the, the, some of the people thought I was a salesperson, but I was really just a young per person who wanted to buy a puppet. And <laughs> I started buying puppets because I was playing with them. And so I started to collect some puppets and take them on vacations and create you know, little shows when we were waiting in line for kids. And my son and I, during the pandemic, actually, I was homeschooling him. And I thought, why not teach him financial literacy, script writing, theater, all these fun things together and have it count for my job and count for homeschooling. So we wrote two different scripts together. One was, um, it, it, I had him draw a feeling, a setting, two characters, and he drew a fox, a king, and he drew or a castle, a fox, and greed was the emotion. And, mm -hmm. and so, and money came part of this. So we decided that a fox would learn from a king that it takes work to earn money. And so at the end of the story of the puppet show, the fox actually works in the king's garden and makes tacos like this, this Fox is obsessed with tacos and, and is always buying tacos. And so from there we grew into this idea that it takes work to earn money. And then the secondary story with the same characters was what is the difference between need and want? Mm, I like it. I like it. So where does courage play out in this then? Because stepping up to express something through a puppet that takes a lot of courage. It really does. Because my husband said to me, after I've left three jobs, one was a professor that was very, you know, a good job, but I took a risk. Yeah. And then I tried this nonprofit. Then I left and took another risk is that these different organizations love and embrace me, but then they don't quite know what to do with me because I'm this quirky creative and I can't yeah. not be. And so the part of me was, how can we get money exciting? Because it really isn't. Let's be honest. Learning financial literacy to me is dull. And yeah. I can't not use arts. I mean, I even taught people where their food came from, brought in the Ronald McDonald House on the farm, teaching ag arts, blending farm and agriculture with visual arts and storytelling and theater. It just works. It's this beautiful yeah. thing. And so I think for me, it's I've never really cared what other people think about me. But yeah. what I do care about is the impact that the arts make for other people. And so I know for a fact that you will remember a puppet show about financial literacy more so than me standing and saying, here's the thing, here's the thing, blah, 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 need and want, rah, rah, rah. It would be yeah. like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So when you're coaching these people, do you find that there's a fear that comes up for them to be able to express themselves so openly? Yes. You know, the thing that's been interesting for me is for the first time in my life during the pandemic, I felt fear for public speaking and I never had before. And it was because of this element of technology. I live in rural Southwest Iowa where technology is pretty good, but not all the time. Mm 
And I was asked to do a keynote for over 150 people through technology. And for the first time in my life, I'm going, oh my gosh, what if it doesn't work? And all these layers of fear. So I had that empathy. So yes, all the the different clients I've worked with, whether they are financial planners, pastors, educators, farmers, I've worked with all kinds of different people in different areas and fields of work. They have different layers of fear. And what it boils down to is that it's this idea of creating and crafting and your brain exaggerates story. It's we create the thing that has not happened in our heads and it becomes this exaggerated, crazy thing. Kind of like today, my son and I are going to the dentist. He's freaking out. He's 11. He's like, am I going to have a cavity? I don't want to go, blah, blah, blah. And I said, have you had that news yet? Well, no, but our brain creates and exacerbates it in such a fashion. And I think that that's what people do is that they create the story of it not going well not connecting with an audience, forgetting the main essential things that they want and need to say. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense because through my research, I've discovered that it's that that fear of being seen and heard or not being seen and heard, like it's a paradox all wrapped up, which seems to drive every single fear we have. Yes, it's sort of like what Oprah Winfrey said in one of her beautiful keynotes at a college graduation. She said, you know, it's interesting. She's interviewed a myriad of people. And at the end of every interview, whether it was a famous person, a president, whomever, they would say, well, did I do okay? And it's that important piece of we want to connect with people. We desire that. And we want to make sure that, yes, we want to be seen. And for me, for a hot moment, I was not wanting to be seen because I thought, well, what if I look funky? I hate myself on camera. So I took this challenge in March of 2021, just this past March. And I said, I'm going to do a five day Facebook live, one hour a day, talk to people, give them information of how to achieve their authentic speaker style. And guess what? I learned a lot about myself, broke through those barriers. And I said, yes, I can do this. And if I can do this, you can do this. And it helped me coach better because for the first time in my life, I understood that idea of fear that 75% of people, according to the Mental Health Institute, have some sort of level of anxiety with public speaking. And the yep. number one fear is, is it spiders? No. Snakes, heights? No. It is social anxiety. So social yep. anxiety links to communication. And that helped me ex- acknowledge how can I empathize with my clients better? And that's such a good point to make too, that it's the social anxiety which is that being seen and heard, which underlies everything. It's so big for so many people that it takes that courage to get through it, to move through that fear. Well, yeah, it's like Jerry Seinfeld, the the famous comedian, says that more times than not, people would rather be in the coffin than give the eulogy at the funeral. Death (laughs) seems more appealing than everybody staring at you. I mean, it's this idea we are all like John Capecci, who's a strategist, says we are all natural born orators of our own lives. But what happens is this idea of how we construct and label the word public and speaking. Really, it's a conversation. If we can reframe it and make it as I'm here to connect with you, whether it's a, a group of 20 in a workshop or my team meeting or a bigger auditorium for a keynote, it is a connection. It's a conversation. Mm, I like that. And it is a conversation. It's just how many people are a part of that conversation 
That's and right. how long do you get to talk for before they get to talk? <laughs> That's right. And it's sending and receiving of messages. It's this ongoing thing. You cannot not communicate whether, I mean, your audience generally, you can ask a rhetorical question to 2,000 people and they can't all respond. But what they can do is give you that nonverbal nod or eye contact or raise their hands if you're asking a rhetorical question and you still yeah. have that engagement and connection. And so you can just feel the energy too. When you're on a stage like that, you can feel the response from people. Absolutely. It's a very powerful level thing that happens. Yes. And that was what was tripping me up, honestly, was I live on a farm in my office and the window outside, I can see beautiful trees and a herd of goats. So speaking to my screen with a ring light and seeing goats in a tree and not being <laughs> yeah. on stage I get energy from people. I'm one of those weird one percenters that's like, give me the people. You know, a yeah. lot of people like the hiding of, ooh, I can click off of Zoom. I can hear you and just be a black space. But you never walk into a speaking engagement with a bag on your head. You shouldn't do the same for Zoom, right? Unless you don't have the technology. So I found that that was a great learning experience for me is getting used to the video, the, the technology, and find a way to give that energy and you can receive it back. And that's one thing that hasn't really been spoken much through the pandemic is how the extroverts are coping because they're it's no hard. You. <laughs> well, it, it, for my husband, who's an extreme introvert and I'm, I'm an extrovert, it was yeah. heavenly for a hot minute for him until he had to become my coworker, my spouse, my best friend, all the things that was yeah. hard for him. But for me, you know, if fueling my soul is being around people, um, I don't have to have it every single day. But when it went from a lot to nothing, that's extreme. I, I can do a hybrid. I need alone time just like anybody else. But yeah, we haven't talked about that. That is a challenge. And so I had to work through that. And the ability to do that has helped me so much with talking about that awareness, that tuning into what what it is that I'm feeling labeling it, tuning yeah. into the energy, and then allowing my body to feel it is then getting me to be better at how I am with myself and with other people. Do you find that you're drawing on memory of the energy that you do get when you're in front of a crowd to get you through? That's a great question. You know, memory would be looking at the past and every, to me, every moment, I like to think of yes anding and improvisation and being fully yep. present in that moment. And, and right now I'm, I'm in it with you. And yep. if I was thinking back to a previous podcast with another individual or a previous audience, that would be not authentic to you. So True. what I really True. do is think of that moment, that presence. And the, the best is this, the one-on-one, -on -one, I feel fully yep. in it, fully embraced. But when I have like 200 plus people and I can't see all their faces, I really hone in on the screen that I do see and know that, guess what? This is a good chunk of the people. Speak to them, feel them, and they will feel your energy back. So I would say I don't do memory work. I really focus in on in the moment, in the present, and making it about them. Because really, every communication is about your audience. I'm fully audience-centered, and I teach that to my clients, is it's all about them. Stories, presentations. If you don't target your audience, it's like, you know, if a tree falls in a forest and no one hears it, did it really happen? Well, if you give a speech and no one listens, mm -hmm. did it really happen? 
So yep. you really have to target that audience. I like that. I like that. Have you noticed a cycle that people go through when it comes to overcoming this fear of public speaking and communicating in the way that you teach? Cycle. That's interesting. I would say that we ebb and flow in terms of who we are as people. We're always yep. growing. We're always, I, I have a lovely uh, Reiki therapist that says we know no thing nothing, no thing. We should show up in that, in that way. And I, when I look at the different clients I've worked with, that they learn a new thing and they try this new thing. It's like putting on new pants, right? But yep. sometimes you want to put on the old pants, the pre-diet pants, because they're comfortable. So it's, we, we do go through cycles sort of, of what's comfortable. We go yep. to back to old habits but then when you're retraining the brain, which you can do, but it does take time, you yep. have to keep reminding yourself. You have to do what is called intrapersonal communication. You talk to yourself. You encourage yourself. You catch what you're saying to yourself because we're terrible to ourselves. We, we need to give ourselves more grace and be our best friend. So it's breaking free out of that cycle and really finding and fine tuning what it is, what outcome we want to go to and be and be in that state of being. Mm, I like that because I've noticed there's five key steps we go on the cycle and you've mentioned all of them. So it's that first one where there's the fear and then you've got to address the fear and go, okay, yes, this is my fear. I'm afraid being up on this stage. I'm afraid of standing in front of the camera the way that I am. Yep. And then you've got to forgive yourself. You've got to have some compassion for yourself. And that's hard for a lot of people. It really is because for those of us like myself, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I love to achieve all those yeah. things. <laughs> There's a lot of us out there. And so when we mess up, which is going to happen, or we feel like a failure, which is going to happen, we need to fail. Those are the best teachers. We're hard yeah. on ourselves. And that self-talk are terrible record players that play over and over and again, like a tape. And so what I teach my clients is that poise is a verb, presence is a noun. So poise is the work that you do that with you get that when you get that accountability, that coaching, whether it's vocal delivery, physical delivery, content, we work it all together like this beautiful machine. You are an orchestra and all the parts have to work together and you have to work together in unity. Then when you do that work and you practice that work and it's mindset, it's practice, it's more practice, it's preparation and it's pause and breath, all that work then you show up as the noun, that presence, that state of being. I like that. I like that. And that fits into that next stage where you become self-reliant. You know yes. you can do it. It's all those self-belief things that you were just talking about, having presence as yes. you step up. And yep. everybody has their own unique presence. It's, I, you know, I, I always say I want you to be you. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be somebody else. You. Yep. It's like my piano teacher when I was eight years old said, and she wrote it in my little uh, book of autographs. I asked for autograph when I was eight years old. And she said, don't be flat. And she drew the, the, the note B. Don't be sharp. Just be natural. And that has stuck with me at eight years old to now at 45. That really, that's what we need to be is be natural. And sometimes I think what it is, is we all struggle with what does that look like, sound like, feel like, and we have to try that on. 
And I, I've noticed my son who's going into sixth grade has played with language and behaviors that he sees other kids doing to see if it yeah. works. Does it fit? Is this me? And now we have to figure that out. What does that speaker style look like? Am I exuberant and gregarious and big and animated or am yeah. I softer and calmer and deliberative and, you know, very methodical with how I use my words and gestures and it's okay. All are good. It's just being you and being true. And that's funny. My daughter's going through the same thing. She's nine years old. So she's been bringing home different perspectives, different behaviors, yes. trying them on. And we're like, mm, I don't think that one works for you. <laughs> Please don't do that anymore. <laughs> so I get what you're doing, but let's try something more you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I think it's all of it is. It's like David Kiersey, who's a social psychologist, talks about temperament. I do a lot of work with that. I help people understand that who you are affects how you work, communicate, and lead. And yeah. all we want at the end of the day is to be understood. We beat to our own drummer, and the golden rule is do unto others as you would want done unto you. But really, it should be do unto others as you would want, as they would want done unto them. And asking them and be and letting them be, because I might react to the same situation more deeply, more harshly than you did and that's yep. okay that's the difference of how we perceive how we feel and how we react and that is temperament mm, I like that and it is something I raise a lot as well that we do experience things so differently and as you know an extrovert pandemic has not been your friend when it comes to this sort of communication as an introvert I've loved it right. I loved the space. but I've loved I've loved the pandemic too it's a love-hate yep. relationship with me. Yep. Like, you know, initially it was this like struggle and I thought, I hate this. I hate this pandemic. But then yep. because of it, I broke free of, okay, I'm going to jump figuratively out the plane, out of the plane and do my own business, A. And B, I'm just going to connect some incredible people. I would have never connected with you or these yep. other amazing people from Malaysia, from all over the world, you know, England and different parts of the United States. And so to me, that has been a beautiful piece that I'm kind of a Luddite when it comes to technology, but I've really embraced it and said, okay, you got to learn, you got to keep updated and you got to connect. And that's the beauty of technology. I love it. I love it. I love that we can see things from all different angles and that it's actually brought us all very close together, really. Because yes. we're all experiencing the same thing from all over the world. Now, the only thing you cannot do virtually that I really wish you could do is the physical hug. Yes. You cannot yeah. do that. Like, I'm hugging you right now, Melly, but, you oh, you know, you. it's not the same. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I completely get it. Everybody gets <laughs> home after work, and I'm like, somebody hug me. Yes, I just need to feel heart to heart, you know. So there's yeah. that. And, and I think it's, you know, the face-to-face, -face, nothing can replace that completely. But yes. if we had this happen to us 10 years ago, we would have had a really harder time, I think. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, now, we are running out of time, so I have one final question that I would love to ask you. Sure. If you could go back in time and face yourself before you got to this point of creating your own business, starting to do things online a lot more than what you were before, what would you say to yourself then to encourage you to keep moving forward? Wow. I know it's a big question. <laughs> it is a big question. I would say you're going to be okay. I would say just do it already. 
uh, I did a lot of him, ha, him, ha, step back, put your toe in the water and then not jump in, just yep. dive in, take the plunge. Every time I've wanted to go swimming and the water's just a little too cold, it's much better to just dive in the deep end, take that plunge and try some stuff and allow yourself to be messy faster and learn quicker because when you do that, you meet some really cool people along the way. You learn more interesting things. You try new things. You build a business that you never thought you would have. I mean, I'm surprised for the first time in my life, I've grown a business and I'm not, I mean, I went from, hmm, I wonder if this is going to happen to, well, I think this could happen. I believe this could happen to now I know this can happen. And it's, and it's that transition, right? So I think it's just do it already and remember to stay within your own skin because you're going to hear some terrible things. You're going to hear some hard things, but everybody else is too. So it's like yeah. my mentor who said, the older you get, the more like yourself you become and grow like a thick that. skin in the back because yeah. you're a softy. You wear your emotions on your sleeves but a, yep. be aware the business is not that way. You can still be compassionate and kind and thoughtful and enthusiastic and a, and a communication analyst. But do bear in mind that other people are biting at times and there's lots of competition, but just continue to do your cadence of you. Mm, I like that because it is a very competitive field. It really is. is. It is very cutthroat at times. And I'm not cutthroat. I mean, I have made peace with, if you're not ready, you're not ready. Beautiful. Yep. You will come to me when you are ready. Like I've had a couple of individuals who I'm ready this time. Like they've come three times or tell me your fee structure one more time. And they're just not quite ready. And that's okay. Yep. It's not a rejection. It's a limitation or it's just the timing or it's, it's all the things it's and, and cost. I'm worth my cost for what I yep. do, because I have, I have done rigorous research, lots of experience at the collegiate level, as well as with all walks of life, you know, getting farmers in front of DC for policy changes in agriculture with a really powerful story to yep. a TEDx speaker, to performing on stage in New York with a professional storyteller. I have the experience. I love what I do. And so it's easy to get in that headspace of I'm not worth this amount, but letting that go as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we could talk about that for a while. That's a whole other subject. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, we do have to wrap it up. So I do, yes. would like to say thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I have no doubt we're going to be talking again soon about something. <laughs> I absolutely agree, Melly. It's been a pleasure. I love connecting with another soul sister. I love it. I love it. Stay with me because I will be back to you because I want to keep talking. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and if anybody wants to check me out, check out TinaBakehouse.com. Sorry, I didn't mean to take you off the screen then. <laughs> That's there we right. go. TinaBakehouse.com and check me out on Facebook, Tina BLLC and LinkedIn. I'm happy to help. I'm here to support you. I protect audiences from boring speeches. I love it. I love it. And if you want to click on her link, it will be below this video. If you're watching on social media or if you're listening to this on the podcast, just look in the description and you can click on the link to go straight to her website. Thanks, Melly. This has been fabulous. You're most welcome. And join us next week as we continue on our mission of collecting stories of courage so you can take those next steps in your life. 
If you'd like to join me on my mission to normalize the emotional and intuitive cycles all women go through, join my free community at nellies.com.au.